From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to the new Olympics.com podcast. Tom Kirkland looking forward to getting to know you better and letting our listeners, our consumers, get to know us better as well. What's new? Well, your host, me, so lucky to have worked at 13 Olympics, done a lot of sports commentary, play-by-play. I've reported, hosted, and have done a lot of podcasts over my career. I love this format. Extended time to develop the conversation, to learn and share Olympic hopes and dreams. As we look forward to this year, Paris 2024 is not this summer, obviously, but in real terms, it is right around the calendar corner. Certainly for the athletes of the world, planning, training, dreaming of competing in medal events in Paris 2024. There are 329 medal events in 32 sports over 40 disciplines. But one of the early lessons is got to walk before we run. And for the Olympians trying to get back or elite athletes trying to become Olympians for the first time, you got to qualify. And our topic for this debut show is Olympic qualification. If you're a real true competitor, you, you, you love when all the lights are on and all the pressure's on, and that is the Olympic Games. We'll give you an overall insight into why in many ways this year is more important for the athletes even than next year's run to Paris 2024. You know, once you qualify, you're an Olympian for life, and then you can go do your best at the Olympics. But getting there, well, that's what this year is all about. Okay, let's break this down to something maybe we can all relate to. The last time you had to plan to perform or be tested in some qualification process, maybe a job interview, try out for an orchestra or school band, cheer squad. I can remember the stress of my first basketball tryouts in high school, a situation where you had to become completely vulnerable, totally invested, trusting your training, your coaches, and the preparation, team or individual. Then you got to take that deep breath and go ahead and get busy. Enter the fray. That's the headspace I want you to enter with us right now. 2023 will be the only full year of Olympic qualifications. 2022, of course, a partial year. Then the Olympic Summer Games Paris comes in July of 2024. All qualifications are over in June of next year. So coming your way this year, we're so excited about right away many dozens and dozens of qualifiers, too many to list. And some give the athletes direct qualifications, but most provide qualifying points to the overall goal. What we do know is come Paris 2024, there will be 10,500 Olympians, and for the first time in history, total gender equality. Among the first qualifiers here and now, 2023 will be skateboarding. After crushing it in their Olympic debut in Tokyo, it was ginormously popular, you remember. This is going to be the most eyes ever on skateboarding at a contest, and this is the day that we've all worked so hard for. So coming up January 29th to February 12th in the United Arab Emirates, Men's and Women's Street and Park Skateboarding World Championships doubling as an Olympic qualifier. It's not an automatic winner qualifies, but big points toward Olympic qualification going to the winners and best performers. Among the talented men and women showing off and showing out will be 21-year-old American Jagger Eaton. Names sound familiar? Well, the kid named after rock icon Mick Jagger, he won an Olympic bronze in the first ever Olympic street event. First American to medal in this electrifying new sport. What can Jagger pull out 
Jagger Eaton dropping in. Game on. Game on. He'll rocket up the leaderboard. Where's he How going? Where's going, he going? He's going right to the top. Oh. 9.4. Oh. 9.40. Well, you know the song moves like Jagger. Well, he moves and his family moves. Jagger's dad owns and runs a skateboard school. His mother was a world-class athlete, part of the 1980 U.S. Women's National Gymnastics Team. And Jagger's grandfather, Stormy Eaton, was a longtime national team coach and former world-class trampoline gymnast, bouncing to a silver medal at the 1974 World Championships. So, obviously, performing in the clutch certainly runs in the family. You're listening to Olympics.com podcast. So what's this whole qualification process like? Now that it's Jagger's second time around, our reporter Chloe Merrill asked him all about it. Part of this entertaining and insightful interview. The games are in 2024, but in a way they've kind of already started, right? Because in order to get there, you've got to qualify. So when you're looking at 2023, when I say 2023, how does it make you feel? Oh, I look at all these contests now and all these Olympic qualifiers as just practice. You know, I believe that if you're a real true competitor, you, you, you love when the, all the lights are on and all the pressure's on, and that is the Olympic Games. And putting on that jersey brings, some, brings the best out of you. So all these contests and these qualifiers going up, you know, I, I, I tend to try to turn a negative into a positive. You know, a lot of them, a lot of these competitors look into it as kind of a curse, you know, like, you know, I got a year and a half. I got a year and a half to be top three in my country. But I look at it like it's just practice. And I'm just getting ready, getting the flow of it, getting ready for the big day, which is that finals day at the Olympic Games. Right. Okay. So you're not really feeling the pressure at all then, you would say? Um, yeah. No, not really. I mean, I think there definitely is pressure. But the most pressure that you can put on yourself are the one that you inflict yourself. Like if you want to put the, the whole world on your shoulders and make it the most pressure-filled contest, you have complete control of that. Or you could look at it from a gratitude point, the fact that we even get to travel and be involved and skate at this level and qualify for the Olympic Games, how much of a blessing that is. And, um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful. That's such a rich mindset. I mean, I don't think I've really ever heard someone approach it in that kind of way. And it's really interesting, right? Because you have to be consistent too. So the fact that you kind of almost take that pressure off yourself or appreciate, you know, um, have a, a gratitude towards the pressure, it's, uh, it's an interesting take. I'm curious because you're an Olympic medalist too. Do you think others are watching you when you head into these qualifiers? Do you feel like there's a target on your back or you're not really focusing on them at that point? Um, yeah, I'm sure people are watching me. I mean, you know, I, uh, I innovate, you know, I'm the only one skating both. I'm the only one on both USA teams, which I'm really proud of. Um, but at the same time, you know, every time I go into a contest, I feel like I'm always a threat and I always go there to win. And, you know, I'm sure I'm sure that people are looking at me and I'm sure there's a, a younger generation that's also looking. And that's why I want to maintain this mindset and always preach that because um, what we do is such a blessing. And yes, there, there is a lot that comes with skating. There's constant injuries and constant, men, like constant mental fatigue and you do fall out of love and you do burn out way easier. Um, but I, I like to always preach this mindset because it's important beyond anything beyond anything or any contest results that you maintain love with something that you love like this and maintaining love is just constantly having gratitude for it. You have already quite an interesting relationship with the Olympic qualifying process, right? Because you had that, how, how to put a complicated way of getting to Tokyo 2020. Could you just remind our listeners what happened to you trying to get to Tokyo and how that affected your competition when you got there? 
Yes. Yeah. So about six months from Tokyo, I had two more contests to make both teams. And I was going for both teams at the time. My last park contest that I went into was a world championships in Des Moines, Iowa. And, um, I walked in to that contest with every ligament in my left ankle, 90% torn and an upper ankle sprain. And I missed that team by two spots. I ended up fifth in park and they took top three. And then right after Des Moines, I was incredibly defeated and I just didn't want to skate. I didn't want to, I didn't want to compete. I was just so upset with myself and what happened. And what ended up happening was I went back to the word that I gave myself five years ago saying that I was going to give myself every single chance that I had to make a team, every single chance. And I had one more contest. I was four months out from, from Tokyo and it was a street contest. It was a world championships. I needed to get top four to make the team to be top three in the United States. And I made top four on my very last trick, my very last attempt. Absolutely crazy. Thanks. Yeah. It's, and that, that's, that's why I preach. That's why I preach love and gratitude is because I've seen, I've seen the bottom. Like I've, I've seen it. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to really hate something that you've done your whole life. What you've dedicated your life to. I know what it's like to hate it so much. And most of the time when you hate it that much, there's something that you love about it. There's something that you can't live without it when you have that much hate towards it. And then you just find it again. You just find the passion and the love and it happens. And then from there, it's just things start getting rolling again. I mean, it's like you've already had a war before you've even got to the games because obviously then you get to the games with with this injury too and you're carrying it with you, but quietly, right? You haven't told anybody really that you have effectively a broken ankle. Yeah, I didn't tell anybody going into that contest that um, that my ankle was broken. And I, I broke it even more in semifinals of that contest in Rome because I, I, got, I gave myself two fractures trying to trying to get fourth. So... I didn't tell anybody. And, and I, I think it's really because I didn't want to give, give it that mental energy. Like I just didn't want to even notice that it was there. I, I woke up that morning, not thinking that my ankle was broken, not thinking that like my ankle was broken. I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do. My mindset was the fact that I'm able to walk, the fact that I'm able to go out there and skate to 75, 80% of my ability. That's what I'm going to live in. Like I'm living in that mindset. I'm not living in the fact that you know, I, I, if I fell one time wrong, it, it would be the end of it. Like, I'm just thinking, I'm trying to be an optimist the whole time. That's, it's just so remarkable because in a way you're at this, because the occasion at the Olympics, skateboarding's debut was historic in itself. And so there's that, I don't know if for you guys, did you feel that pressure? Was that on you to have that kind of ambassador feel as well when you were out there performing? Yeah, I think all of us felt that pressure. I think that all of us, woke up that morning i feel like there were two different mindsets i think i think one of the mindset was okay this is going to be the most eyes ever on skateboarding and at a contest and this is the day that we've all worked so hard for and a lot of us have dedicated our lives to get here what i was thinking was the fact that i get to wake up and put on that usa jersey and listen to my headphones and like go compete with the best in the world and that's what I get to do on, on this day. Like I get to wake up and do that. It's like the coolest thing ever. Like I just felt so blessed and um, so grateful. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of pressure, but the pressure that I felt that day was if I were to fall wrong, I wouldn't be able to walk out of that park and I'd get carried off. And that's not how I want to leave. That's not how I want to go out here. And if I, you know, I'm going to go out swinging, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the 
the last guy on my feet. But that was just that that was the pressure of my was I was just worried about getting a little bit worse of an injury. Yeah, because I feel like the world learned so much about skateboarding in those competitions that you guys skated in. And then when people found out that you had done that on a broken ankle, they it gave that resilience that I think skateboarders really have that I don't think people necessarily appreciate. So it was like quite a moment really for, for, for us to see that and to see you pull off a medal, no less as well. Like that was just absolutely incredible. Do you find that qualification process that it, those injuries has an impact on the way you view that medal or do you just see the medal in itself as like just a, an achievement that's incredible? Yeah. The medal definitely, um, Oh man, it's hard to talk about these feelings. I haven't, I haven't talked about these feelings in a long time. Um, the medal, getting that medal and being on that podium was, was always the goal. And it, it really, when it was over, I was just looking at the medal. I'm like, I'm so grateful that this is done. Like it was just so hard. When I look back at it now, starting this new journey, I'm thinking that journey to Tokyo changed my life forever and changed my perception on everything in my life, on my relationships with my family, with my parents, with my friends, with my skateboard, it changed everything. And that journey was just the greatest I could have, I could have imagined, you know, I took the hardest route for sure, but at the same time, you know, it changed the man that I am. So I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for, incredibly grateful for the journey and, and the medal is just a little bit token that I get to look back and, and realize how deep that I can dig into my stuff to, to get the best out of myself. And given everything you, you've just said about how fundamentally that changed all these relationships, you and your sport and with your family, like, are you ready for that roller coaster again? Yes, I, I'm very much ready for that roller coaster again, but I, I don't think it's going to be the same roller coaster as it was. And even if it is, I know exactly what it entails. I know exactly the grit and integrity it takes to get a medal up there. And I never underestimate my competitors and I don't underestimate myself and you know, I think that going into this now, I just, I have a lot, I have a lot more appreciation and respect for it, you know, and, and, and when you have that mindset and on top of that, you constantly stay grateful and you're in love with, with your sport and what you do. I think that it kind of stirs up into a cocktail that you're able to enjoy the journey while it's happening. Yeah. And, and just speaking to what you said earlier about being, when you've gone so low, then, you know, you can only go up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. When you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. Yeah. And um, yeah, I definitely hit that going into Tokyo. But also going into that Tokyo journey was a little bit different. I started my whole Olympic process going to Tokyo injured. So I, I was really injured and I wasn't ready. Like I, I, I would not have made the Olympic team if it weren't for what happened with COVID. I, I know it was terrible, but it was the only way that I was able to go back to the lab and recreate and go back and be a strong competitor. So going into Paris this year, it's like, I've taken, I've taken all the months after the Olympics and all of, you know, this year to recreate, like recreate and to, and to be dominant next year in both events and physically and mentally be prepared for what it takes to medal. It's interesting, right? Cause you just said there, you mentioned injury and 2022 was a theme again for you, right? Cause you got that wonderful X games gold in park and then we didn't see you in rome for the first qualifier so can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you what, what happened to the season yes yeah so i was in japan um and this was for x games and uh the night before park finals where i got the gold um i was uh i was skating street practice 
and I was skating the 10 stair handrail they had there. And I fell really hard onto my hip, really weird and tore everything in my hip, but my labrum in my left hip. So I woke up that morning and, um, and I could barely walk. And I was just telling my coach, I'm like, I like, I'm like, we're just going to send it. Like, like we're just going to dig. Right. It's like, all we got, like we're in Japan. We might as well leave it all out there. And, uh, and park went my way and it went great. And, um, and I had to compete both events that day and I competed street and, and street was raining. <laughs> street was raining at the time during the contest. We only got one run. Um, and I was just really struggling with impact and flicking my board and, and walking straight and, and all of that. So street didn't go the way I wanted to do. I, I wanted to, um, after the contest, me and my coach talk and, and I, I told him, I, I, I said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to have to dig that deep. And I, I don't, I really don't want to have to compete this injured. And he goes, okay, let's go home. Let's take a break. Let's get into crazy shape. Let's get you healed and let's get back to it. And that's what I did. And it, it was unfortunate. I had to skip Rome. I really want to be there. I saw all the boys kill it. I saw Nigel win. It was awesome to see USA up there. Um, but again, you know, I just, I need to take the time to heal. This is the year where we really make an impact going into Paris. And um, yeah, I can, I can solidly say that I'm, physically and mentally really prepared and healthy and there's social media you can always see what everybody's up to do you find yourself attracted to that or do you sort of step away and focus on yourself oh i focus completely on myself and i i don't i really don't carry any any sort of commitment or relationship with social media like after after japan i deleted social media for two months and i just fell off face of the earth and i was just doing a lot of spiritual enlightenment work i was getting myself healthy i changed my diet completely i lost a lot of weight and um kind of doing that whole journey and and, and seeing how i felt without any material accomplishments or anything and just being with myself and then restarting my competition and going into nationals having a great nationals contest and then now going into this year i feel like i know exactly where where a good balance is between social media and what I want to post and what I want to be involved in and who I want to surround myself with, but also have a total and private social life and family life and competitive life and kind of be able to balance those two. I think that's probably one of the most important things to do as an athlete from 18 to 25 is to figure out what a good balance is for you with that, because there's so many distractions, so much clutter in this world, and you can be involved in as much as you want to be. Looking back at Tokyo, I don't know if you were conscious of it, but other than you blowing up and skateboarding blowing up, everyone was completely fascinated by the fact that you were wearing headphones. And so there was this question online, like, what is this dude listening to as he's literally skating in the Olympics? So first of all, what were you listening to? What was playing? Oh, what was I listening to? It was a combination of new rap and old country. And uh, yeah, it was a mix. It was like... It was like Sky by Playboy Cardi and like just like the it was like the most random new rap. And then it was like Florida Georgia Line and Charlie Daniels Band and like all this mixture. So I would say that it was, you know, it, it was just a combination of new rap and old country. And so 2023, we spoke about it earlier, circling back Paris 2024. You're, you're going in for two events. So you're the first person to be doing that, which is like wild in itself. What are the ambitions? What are the goals? The ambition and the goal is to win two gold medals for USA. That's the goal. Um, yeah, I think going into, go, like, looking back at Tokyo, I was not in the shape that I needed to be to compete at both. That was the reason why I was injured. You know, I was just not where I needed to be trick-wise, phys- like, physically, uh, mentally. I just wasn't there. Um, 
going into this year, I, I, I wrote it all down. Like I, I have all my notes. I know what it takes. I have a really good, I have a really good team around me that um, understands my goals, that understands my ambitions and kind of clears the way for that to happen and, and will always fight for me, which I'm incredibly grateful for. And, um, and yeah, you know, the goal, the goal hasn't changed. It's always best if I was a kid to win two Olympic gold medals for Parkin Street. So that's what we're going to do. And when you talk about your notes, is this like a little book or like a poster? Like if you physically written these goals down on paper? Oh yeah. So I have, I mean, I have trade goals. I have line goals. I have, um, I have like mental goals. I have my accomplishments that I want to, I mean, I have it all written down, um, just on a piece of paper. And it's honestly, I really don't even need to be writing it down. I mean, I wake, I, I wake up, eat, breathe and sleep these goals all day. So it's like, I just like to have them there to manifest. Do you think about your competitors when you're thinking about all of these goals? Do you have, or are you quite mindful of yourself? Um, I'm not really thinking about my competitors at all because I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in a different lane. Like I'm, I'm kind of in a different, like I know I'm competing against them at the contest, but I have a lot of different struggles that I don't think um, all these other athletes really go through, you know, like I, when these, when, when most of my competitors are going in skating park and focusing on park, you know, I'm, I'm also thinking about street and I'm also thinking about these other things that I have to go through. So I'm not really thinking about my competitors. What, what I'm really thinking about are is the best way that I can push skateboarding in the right direction, the best way I can innovate and, um, and constantly be grateful for my position. I believe that that's kind of where my mindset lies. You talked about pushing things in the right direction, innovating. Do you think with the introduction of skateboarding in the Olympics, you guys are really like taking every aspect and improving? Because like that kind of diet, it sounds like you're really thinking about the fuel you need for contests and stuff like that's next level. Yeah, I think it's just performance eating. I mean, if I'm going to be skating four hours a day and then I want to golf after that, or I'm going to work out after that, you know, I'm. I'm just constantly making sure I have energy for the day because I want to live the best day that I can. Um, and I'm also, I also am not, I, I, did, I didn't change my diet for, because I feel like I was um, like not getting the right nutrition. I changed my diet just because I wanted to lose weight. Like I just wanted to lose weight and I wanted to feel the healthiest that I could be. Um, and it's funny because when I think about it, it wasn't at all about skating. It was, I lost weight because when I was injured, I wanted to be as light as I could be when I got back on my board. So I felt crazy explosive. And so that's why I changed my diet, but yeah, it's worked out. I mean, I feel great. I have a lot more energy. Um, I don't, I don't drink, I don't do anything. So it's like, I'm just constantly, you know, just regimented. I saw you, you competed with your brother at the U S champs. What was that like as an experience? And is he somebody we could be seeing in the future? Do you think? Yeah. Um, that was the most surreal moment to see him make finals and to see him have the confidence on the board. Um, like that, like under that pressure, that, that was the most surreal event ever. And it was just awesome because, um, just going, going, leading up to it, right. Leading up to it, he was just, you know, he, we, we were just having these conversations and he was just talking about, you know, like strategy and how I think about it. And it's funny because he's always asked those questions, but it's crazy to hear him ask those questions while he's going against me, you know? And it was just, it was just such a surreal moment because I was up there. If you look at any of the videos, I was up there like yelling each, each time he landed a trick, I was slap my board. I was up there yelling for him. And it was, it was just awesome. You know, it's awesome. And he's definitely somebody that you can see, you know, Costin has, Costin has more experience than I do. He's been on the board since he was 
six months, a year. You know, he's been skating his whole life and he has so much board control, so much style, so much flow. Um, so yeah, you can definitely see him in the future. That's so exciting. I mean, like thinking about this, like what's coming, what's ahead with Paris, like kind of in the on the horizon, but not, you know, the pre-Olympic, we're in the pre-Olympic period, but the Olympics have already started. But then we've also got with skateboarding, because it's such a young person's game, we're already seeing those guys coming through, coming up. And there's like this upward pressure now. And for us, it's really interesting to see what an Olympic career for a skateboarder looks like. We obviously don't know what that looks like yet. We don't know how long you guys want to stick around for and how many games you want to do, how how long this keeps going for. So it'd be interesting. Do you think, Jagger, that you'll be are you going to do like a Sean and Sean White and be here forever? Like what's the plan? Do you think that far ahead even? Um I I, I do think I, I I believe that I do think that far ahead. You know, I, I I really do think that far ahead and I would love to compete as many games as, as possible. I think the thing about skateboarding that's hard for people to understand if you're not in it is how brutal skateboarding is on your body. Um and at the same time progression in skateboarding is moving at a rapid pace, like the fastest I've ever seen in my entire life. And it is because the Olympic games brings a whole new career and lifestyle to skateboarders. And it actually brings in an avenue that can be incredibly lucrative and incredibly passionate. And you can just be an athlete and skate. And that is, that I think is going to bring progression like we've never seen before. And we're already seeing it. Right. So do I want to compete? past LA if my body can handle it yes but right now my mind is set on Paris I believe that I'm in the perfect position to do to do really well in Paris and going into LA hopefully my body can maintain because that be being a part of Team USA in LA would be the most surreal thing well look, listen Jagger it's been amazing to have you on um good luck with Dubai and all your efforts for this year all the best and it's been like a real pleasure to have you on the olympics.com podcast awesome thank you so much yeah I appreciate those questions and uh yeah I'll see you in Dubai this is the olympics.com podcast thanks Chloe and again we really appreciate Jagger carving out a little time to join us on this debut of the olympics.com podcast always a special place in my heart for us fellow Americans for the most part. He's such a character, and I love his candor, his ability to express himself, and obviously the courage. He is an inspiration. There's more of that interview you'll definitely want to check out right here on Olympics.com at our social media page, some great exchanges between Chloe and Jagger. Matter of fact, for the skateboard people, there's so much of our original feature programming on skateboarding and related topics right there for the clicking here on Olympics.com. So, Go have a look and enjoy. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on Olympics.com. So that's it for the first episode of the Olympics.com podcast. You can hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love feedback. Maybe you have an idea for a future podcast. We love that as well. Helps us to get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter, at TK Sports Tweets. Thanks for being a part of the Olympic community. Coming up on our next podcast, we're diving into more of the Olympic qualification process. I should say bouncing into it, this time with American 3x3 basketball player Jimmer Fredette. You may know that name, a one-time USA college basketball icon and NBA lottery pick. He's now rejuvenated with this chance of a lifetime. 
I have been obsessed with the Olympics ever since I was three, four years old. Like I watch every Olympics and I watch every event. As Team USA hopes to make the Olympics for the first time in this awesome 3x3 sport. See you soon. Olympics.com podcast.